Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about yesterday and I am happy to be joined by a couple of friends who are uh, much bigger fans of the Beatles than I am so they're good ones to have here today. Recurring guest uh, Adam Lichtenstein. Adam, how's it going? Pretty good. Can I be the official uh, Beatles correspondent? Sure, I don't know if that's going to come up again anytime soon, but I mean, you're 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 already you already have a standing invite for any Beatles themed movie. Uh, and Kayla, uh, uh, Kayla Mead, Kayla, how's it going? It's going, yeah. keeping busy, living the dream, you know, all that. Yeah, Adam and Kayla have spent the whole weekend moving, so this is their this is their break from that, and I'm happy to be uh, let them do something a little more fun than carrying furniture. Um, everyone knows at this point because I think yesterday has been uh, pretty well talked about ever since its trailer dropped. But yesterday is the newest movie from Danny Boyle, written by Richard Curtis, who you might know from any number of British rom coms: Love Actually, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill. Uh, Bridget Jones. So uh, a lot of good pedigree behind this movie, and it tells the story of uh, a man named uh, Jack Malik, who is a struggling musician and uh, has a he has a manager played by Lily James. Jack's played by a uh, relative newcomer to film, uh, Himesh Patel, or newcomer to film. He's done TV stuff in uh, Britain. And Jack's a struggling musician, and one day he is uh, riding his bike, and uh, there's a big blackout all over the world, and he wakes up 10 seconds later after he, with some injuries from his bike accident, after he crashes into a bus, but... All of a sudden, uh, the world is slightly altered. We're maybe in another timeline. We'll talk about what we think actually happened in this blackout or if it even matters. But regardless, it's a slightly different version of the world in which there are many th- a, hand- a handful of things that the movie touches on throughout that don't actually exist. But the most notable of those is the Beatles. And so Jack, as a singer-songwriter, is able to take advantage of that and re- re- uh, regurgitate a bunch of Beatles songs to jumpstart his music career. Adam, you're probably the biggest Beatles fan I know, so I want ask you going into this movie was it a little scary envisioning a world in which the Beatles don't exist yeah that's terrifying (laughs) um as I mean it might sound super cliche but I credit the Beatles and some other musicians for kind of changing the way I think about the world I got into them in high school which I guess also might explain that you know as I was getting older and growing more mature I was introduced to the Beatles for real for the first time and you know that's just when I started thinking about things differently so yeah a world without the Beatles would be absolutely terrifying uh (laughs) So I think if I was uh, if I was Jack, I would have just uh, locked myself in a room for a week and just pa- had a panic, a well, week long panic. Well, what if you're if you're a capable uh, guitar uh, guitar player or and singer, maybe you you would have uh, maybe made, made some more moves to what he did. But uh, Kayla, I actually realized I should have asked you before we got on, got on the air. But like, uh, are are you a big Beatles fan? Did you become a big big Beatles fan when you and Adam started dating? What's your relationship with their music? I've been big fan for as long as I can remember. I remember riding in the car with my grandpa and listening to the Beatles on serious, like sixties on six. Like I remember all of that. Um, no, I've been a very huge fan for a long time. I would even in high school doodle like Beatles lyrics on my notebook. So, Oh, wow. 
Yeah, pretty pretty close relationship with the music. No, that's cool because I'm and I'm glad you guys are here then because I mean I'm just not a big music person in general and I'm I'm probably just about your I probably know no more than your average uh, average musical fan noob about the Beatles than any other person you might talk to as far as far as like I can name a lot of the big songs and I mean I obviously know the members and I went to Liverpool with my family as part of a larger cruise around the UK and Ireland a few years ago and did a Beatles tour so I do not have all the the same points of reference that you guys do so it's good to have other people here that uh can uh talk a little bit more knowledgeably about what they mean what their music means to different people and what their influence has been on the larger uh musical landscape of the last 50 years because i i do think this movie um maybe doesn't engage with that part of this uh po- that part of the story as much as it could have so i want to ask you ask you then adam like regardless of uh my tongue-in-cheek question about being afraid of uh whether or not the Beatles, uh, a world in which the beatles don't exist uh what did you think about the premise for this movie and just uh how it ulti- and overall what was your initial reaction to how it executed such a what i thought was a great idea um i think you actually were the one who pointed out to me uh, that the movie was coming out I, when I first heard about it. I can't, no, you guys, you, you guys texted me and said we're <gasps> no. six, like, like uh, six months ago and we're like, we're, we're on this podcast. No, what uh, happened was we were in line for the ferry at Hollywood Studios and somebody was talking about it. And so we looked up the trailer and we're like, oh my God, we have to see this. Mm-hmm. And it was all because somebody like made a comment when we were in line waiting for a ferry. But yeah, when I first, yeah, when I first heard about it, I was like, excuse me what is this movie? <laughs> and let me look up the trailer immediately. And the second I saw the trailer, I was like, okay, I know what we're doing when this movie comes out. Like, yeah, I guess we, I, I couldn't, yeah, I guess I got the order mixed up, but yeah, I guess I texted you and was like, yeah. we're going on this podcast. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I was really hyped about it. I was really excited to see it. Um, just cause anytime the Beatles, you know, they get kind of get re-entered into pop culture. I'm, I'm all about it. I loved like when across the universe came out. Um, and I kind of thought that this was a, a really good, it was really well executed. I really was happy with how they, how they handled it because they could have gone kind of overboard with just like Beatles puns and just kind of making a, a farce out of it. But I think they did it really well. Uh, Kale, what'd you ultimately think of the movie? I really, really enjoyed it. Okay. I like how they did it. I like how very cultural because the Beatles are, you know, this huge cultural icon, you know, everybody knows the Beatles and, you know, they did make, you know, the point to add in there. They're like, Oh, but like, the Beatles, I've never heard of them. Do you genuinely not know who the Beatles are? Um, which is, I mean, for us in this day and age, that would be all of our reactions. Wait, you haven't heard of the Beatles? But then it also shows all these different, like, cultural ri- ripple effects. And I just, I loved it. I loved how it brought in that cultural aspect because I just, I really enjoyed it. I really, you know, by taking out this one big cultural piece, it's this huge question. And it's kind of like, they tried to answer it. If we took out this one major event, what would happen? Okay, well, I want to ask you more about that then, because I think my biggest criticism of the movie, which I did enjoy as a viewing experience, but I think where I ultimately come down on the movie is that I don't think it executes this really good idea as well as it could have, and it maybe becomes more of a half-baked romantic comedy than it should have been at the same time, is that I, I, and maybe maybe to like a Beatles super fan, it might have just been like to come across as too obvious of jokes if they had done it this way. But I came in like expecting more of that as far as you know what their effect was on the musical landscape. When he when he Googles Oasis and they don't exist, I thought there was going to be more stuff like that. I'm not I'm not sure if like I mean I know Ringo Starr's son is in Oasis, but I don't know if like how heavily they were actually influenced by the Beatles, but I thought there was going to be like more exploration of that kind of thing. Like what are the bands? Okay, go ahead. Pause on that. 
So okay, let Adam get on his soapbox about this okay. Oasis thing. Okay. <laughs> so when that when that happened, I I started hysterically laughing, and I think I was the only person in my theater hysterically laughing mm-hmm. because I'm I'm also a very big Oasis fan, oh. and the biggest knock against Oasis is um, they just basically ripped off Beatles and they took Beatles along with like Rolling Stone, the Rolling Stones, a couple other you know sixties and seventies bands, and just kind of ripped that off and turned it into their own stuff, which I think is very good. And they, and they, they were in the lead songwriter of Oasis, Mo Gallagher, was very open about it, said, yeah, I definitely cribbed from the Beatles and the Stones and all these other bands because that's who I like and I want to make music like them. So the fact when he Googles, like, you know, okay, the Rolling Stones are still there. Okay, you know, uh, Childish Gambino is still there. <laughs> Oasis no longer exists. And I, I was cry, I was la- laughing very hard because I was, I thought that was great. And yeah, Zach Starkey, Ringo Starr's son, was briefly in Oasis for about about a year or so. Okay, I didn't, I, I didn't realize he had already, uh, I, I didn't realize he, he had left the band. I, I think I looked that up. I so okay. So Un- guess- unfortunately, unfortunately, everyone left the band. They no longer are a band. Unfortunately. Well, I got you. I'm still- like- I mean, I'm holding out hope for okay, a new well, for so, a reunion. Some of these other changes that they have that, about the world, like oh, what are cigarettes? Uh, what is Harry Potter? Stuff like that. Like that's just that that kind of signals that like oh, it's just an alternate universe. It's not no, where the it's not like the only thing that's different is the Beatles no longer exist, and because of that, things that they influence don't exist. So, uh, well, well, not not exactly. The way I personally saw it was that the Beatles are such this you know heavy cultural, you know, point in our history. And, oh, so the Beatles were seen drinking a Coca-Cola. Now everyone wants to drink Coca-Cola or, oh, the Beatles were seen smoking. So everybody wants to smoke like they do. And it's by taking out this huge, like cultural moment, essentially, you're taking out all the resulting moments. So it's not so much an alternate universe, but it's showing you know, if you change one cultural moment, you know, other things are going to change. Okay. I think you might, I mean, you, you I, might, you might know better than you did differently. I guess <laughs> I, mean, I know well, you might just, you might, well, again, this might be, you knowing the Beatles more than me, but I, I Coca-Cola was around for a long time before the Beatles ever came into existence. So, and no, it's not like they were like, Oh, Coke, those, that doesn't exist anymore. They're like, what is Coke? You know, it was that or like, what are cigarettes? So I wasn't, I didn't take it as like, oh, the Beatles didn't make that thing popular. So it's not there. Like same thing with Harry Potter. You know, I just kind of took it as like, they're just kind of giving you other weird quirks about this world. And I thought we were going to get a little bit more in addition to that Oasis joke of just how maybe there would have been some bands that would have stayed in existence, but just been a little different in how they sounded, or they would have uh, existed in different forms or something like that, as opposed to just, I I just thought there was gonna be a little bit more that Oasis stuff and exploring how the music industry was different at all because of that. And I mean, I, 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 and I don't want to say that like, that's like, it's not like the biggest detriment ever to the film, but it was like one thing I thought they definitely could have like mined for more interesting content that it didn't really seem like it wanted to do, you know? And maybe, maybe I'm, I'm the one that's not picking up on the subtle stuff like you did, Kayla. And I I don't know, but like it didn't strike me that way in the moment. Yeah. I, I kind of thought about that too, but I just kind of don't think that's like the point of the movie. It's not like it's a, you know, a documentary about here's what happened when the Beatles in the universe where the Beatles didn't exist. It was just like, just some interesting thrown into the movie. like I was reading on Reddit earlier, you know, after we left the movie, that it's like, oh, you know, Coke is gone. They're the number one selling soft drink. Uh, the Beatles are gone. They're the number one selling band. The Harry Potter's gone. It's the number one selling book series. And 
maybe that's the the through, the through line. But at the end, I just don't think it, it matters all that much because that's not at least not what I thought was the point of the movie. With, uh, without spoiling some of the stuff that happens in the second half of the movie, because I think we can uh, do a separate spoiler section and still talk about this movie. Um, what, 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 to you, what was the point of the movie? I guess the point of the movie it was really it was, it was kind of just a romantic comedy at heart with just the Beatles not existing being maybe the, the novel part of it. It was more of a romance. It was a romance story between uh, Jack and, and Ellie. And the whole point of hit, well, not to get into spoilers for the end of the movie, but that was the, the heart of the movie was that storyline. And you also had the corresponding storyline of, hey, the Beatles no longer exist, and he's using the Beatles to further his music career. So I guess maybe dueling or dual plot lines, you know, a plot line and also a plot line. Did either of you... My microphone just fell. Did, did either of you want more as, though, as far as like uh, him questioning the morals of what he was doing? I know. Or do you think? Do you think? Do you think? Do you think it addressed that well? And there really shouldn't have been too much of an like an ethical question there. I, mean, I, I think, think he I think was it, capitalizing on an opportunity. He's yeah. like, "Oh, the Beatles don't exist," and you know, some of the greatest songs of all time. And I mean, he even says it like in the film. He's like, "This is like Michelangelo, like painting, like the Sistine Chapel." I don't think that's that you know, the exact quote, but that idea, he's like, no, this is a masterpiece. Like you need to hear this. And he's like, this music's so important and it needs to be in the world. Like, please like listen to this. Yeah. I, I think they kind of covered it. Cause at first, yeah, he's like, no one knows who the Beatles are. I know all these songs that I know are phenomenal. I'm just going to use it to jumpstart my career because why wouldn't you? No one knows who they are. But I think they, they showed him, his conscience kind of eating away at him and the guilt of, you know, you, of living this lie and using stuff he didn't actually write as, you know, a crutch for himself as opposed to, you know, trying to do his own thing. I, I think they I think they covered that well enough as a, as big Beatles fans. What did you think of Himesh Patel as uh, as a vehicle by which to deliver those songs to us? I thought he I thought was he, great. Yeah, I thought he was phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, like, it's obviously like. Sorry, go ahead. I was impressed. I was impressed with his performance. Like, you know, stuff like that. I always get a little, little worried about because if it's songs that I really love and then somebody doesn't pull it off the right way, you know, I get a little upset about it. Like for example, across the universe, they had so many different voices, types of voices, types of sounds. And I was so concerned. I was like, they're going to ruin this. And then they didn't. And I was pleased with it. Um, same thing here. I went in, I'm like, Oh gosh, he's going to butcher all these songs and it's going to be awful. (laughs) And he didn't, I was incredibly impressed. He, he sounded great. You know, he did the performance great. I mean, I would hope so he's acting. There's people telling him how to do it, but (laughs) no, I, I really like how he did it. I like how they had him playing a guitar instead of, you know, Oh, he's just a singer for a band stuff like that. I'm curious if he actually played it or not. Probably not, but it would be interesting to find out. Yeah, I don't know about that, but he obviously did the singing, uh, which I was really impressed by too. And, you know, I think you could say the same thing regardless of what do you think about all the, the minutiae and all those little things with some of these musical movies that have come out the last year with Rocket Man and Bohemian Rhapsody. There is there is something fun about just like seeing, hearing these songs played in like a, just a, a loud 
loudly at you. I mean, uh, oh, for, for I'm, sure. I'm sure. I'm sure you can go see cover bands of like most of these uh, different folks or performers or anything like that. But I mean, something about seeing them played with that production value. There's just a baseline level of fun you're going to have. If you pull it off really well. And I thought the it's like a very charming performance and. The premise of the movie, I think, takes it still pretty far, even if I didn't do everything with it that like, I wanted it to do. And I'll, I'll get into a little bit more of that in a minute when I'm going to just like do a little spoiler demarcation. But, you know, I'm, I, I was still compelled enough by like where this story was going. And I and I really like this guy's performer. And the, and the movie's like legitimately funny. Um, you know, I, uh, we can talk about some of the other performance performers. I don't there's not a, I don't know if there's a ton to say about a, a lot of them. I I mean, I, I just gener- generally like Lily James. Uh Second time uh, Kayla and I have talked about her in a podcast in the last year. I, I generally like her, though I actually maybe didn't like the rom-com elements of this movie as much as you guys did. Uh, I thought that it was like a surprisingly like like self-aware and funny performance from Ed Sheeran. Uh, what, what did you guys think of his presence in this movie? I went into it thinking he was just going to be like a quick cameo. I didn't realize he was <laughs> going to have kind of like important. Yeah. such a like large part to it. Um, I mean, it was... It was fun, and I think it was really, really awesome in the way that they're like, okay, let's take one of, you know, the biggest British artists, that's hard to say, (laughs) Uh, one of the biggest British artists today, putting them in this film, and then on top of it, um, you know, using that as a comparison factor. Like, Ed Sheeran is known as being, you know, pretty solid songwriter, really great performer. And then, you know, having, having our Jack character, uh, compared to him is pretty great. Cause it's like, okay, you know, he's bigger than Ed Sheeran. He was nobody. And he's just singing these songs. Or at least, or at least more talented than him. And like, there's a scene where they, yeah. they have the little competition to write songs off the cuff and, Ed is like yeah, from disbelief. Uh, yeah. So what did you, what did you think about, uh, not even just Ed Sheeran, Adam, you can give any comments you want on him, but like how they deployed certain songs throughout the movie. If you want to put like your Beatles nerd hat on, uh, like h- how do you think they utilize that and, uh, going all over their discography? Uh, well, first off about, the, about Ed Sheeran, I thought he was really funny in this and very, yeah, self-effacing, like, you know, um, making fun of himself, you know, the scene where, uh, where Rocky and, and Jack get on the plane to go to Moscow and they're talking about how, you know, how Ed Sheeran's not very good at rapping. Uh, I thought that was, that was or, fun. I he thought, has his own song as his ringtone. Yeah. yeah that <laughs> like, was you think great. it's going to be someone great. else and you think they set it up like you think it's going to be someone else and then it's his. And then Shape of You starts, you know, yeah. you get someone's getting a phone call and it's Shape of You and it's, oh, it's Ed Sheeran. <laughs> uh, I, I like, yeah, like when they do this, the songwriting contest and you can tell it's kind of like a ploy for, Ed to kind of feel superior again about this guy he just invited to like be his opening act. And then, then Jack comes out and drops the long and winding road on them. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm just, I'm done. I, you win. I'm going to bed. <laughs> Bye. Um, I thought he was great. And then, yeah, as far as, um, how they use the Beatles discography, I mean, really, there's a lot of places where you, you can't go wrong. Um, I liked that They included a lot of like the rocker numbers. Like, you know, I saw her standing there, some of their early pop stuff. Like she loves you. I want to hold your hand because like, I feel like, I was sitting there. First of all, I was also thinking uh, in early in his Beatles cribbing, um, he starts playing "Let It Be," and I'm like, "Slow down, man! You have to like establish yourself. You have to have some kind of progression. You can't just drop 'Let It Be' on someone, you know, 
as your first musical number, your first big well, song. He drops yesterday be. first. What do you think of like? I mean, is, well, that's the obviously title of the film, but like, how is that song for people like me and others that might be listening that just aren't as up on the Beatles? I mean, is yesterday like right there with "Let It Be" and some of the other ones that like are like oh, the most 100%. popular? Is it, so like, if, if yeah, you're yeah, if you're gonna yeah. knock someone self off by just like riffing on a guitar and playing the Beatles, I'm guessing that is one of the ones to do it with. Yes, definitely. Yesterday, um, I don't know if it still holds this title, but I remember reading. I think Guinness Book of World Records said it's like the most covered or most played song of like the 20th century. Um, it's like it's in if there's a Mount Rushmore of Beatles songs, it's probably on there. But you you could ask anyone that you you know top Beatles songs ever, and they'll give you you know a million different answers. But that's definitely up there. I mean, it's it's an one an incredible song. Two, it's an incredibly well known song. Uh, so I think yeah, it's definitely. They deployed it well. And then I have one other, my favorite use of a Beatles song in a particular situation, but we might have to save that for later because it comes at the end of the movie. Okay, we can hold on to that for a second, but then I'll, I'll ask you before we jump into spoilers then, because I think I can talk about this without it really spoiling anything for anyone, was that I feel like some of the discussion about this movie has been, at least some of the criticism I've heard, and not even like, I mean, the movie's gotten somewhat mixed reviews, but I think, and not even people talking about it as a bad thing, but people are just kind of posing the question, you know, like, what, because, and I think the movie kind of starts to get at it where it's like he has a little trouble getting his career off the ground when he's even or when he's even when he starts with the Beatles songs it's like people are like like people are like are really impressed by yesterday but then he like kind of just like starts playing it around after that and people are still a little iffy uh before and it kind of blows up though like when when he gets re- Ed Sheeran reaches out to him but people are like would the Beatles be that big of a deal in 2019 it's like well people obviously still love the Beatles today but I guess what they're saying is would like would would the songs like catch fire in the same way like they did in the 60s I mean do you think the movie like could have interrogated further like hey would would songs with these specific lyrics with that tell these specific stories would would, they, would those matter in the same way in 2019 was that something you were thinking about as you were watching this or is it just kind of like look I'm a big Beatles fan I see why everyone else would like the Beatles well yeah it's, for me it's like it's timeless yeah. it's you know the Beatles songs were great when they came out in you know the 60s and they were great when they were played on the radio in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and (laughs) they're just they're always fantastic and I mean you you can't go wrong with the Beatles song the only one they played with this in the movie and it's in the trailer so it's not you know it's not a spoiler it's the hey dude (laughs) instead of hey jude well, there is the, well, there's the whole sequence with like the, mar- the the record company marketing executives where they keep like trying to change like little parts of it, whether it be the album artwork or, uh, mm-hmm. or like you said, there might be a few moments like that with like the lyrics or something like that. But like, do you? I, I'm I'm kind of with you on that. Like, people people really like these songs. Even someone like that's not a huge fan like me, like I still have a lot of fun whenever I do happen to every now and then maybe go down a rabbit hole with some of the songs, like I did yesterday as I was kind of preparing for this podcast. Or it was like it was just really fun going back and listening to these like these are good songs I, but I, that, I, at the same time that scene with the record company executives that did run, ring a little true where it's like yeah they i'm sure there might be a time where there's just too many suits in a room trying to mess with some music whether it be the beatles or someone else uh adam what do you think as, as far as what the movie may, may or may not have had to say or what they kind of tried to get across as far as like how uh how the record the music industry in 2019 might kind of react to something like this phenomenon um, I do think it was interesting that they kind of touched on, you know, is it is in 2019, is it enough to just be like great at music and be a musical genius? Or do you need an image? Do you need a stylist? Do you need X, Y and Z? But I don't know if that's always 
That's always been the niche. That's I feel, always been I the feel like at the same Elf. time, by casting Ed Sheeran in this movie, it's like almost making a statement how like maybe you don't because Ed Sheeran's not someone that like really presents himself as like the most clean cut like dapper looking fellow. Yeah, I, yeah. But I mean, like the thing is, I don't even know if that's a that's really a modern thing because to throw some more Beatles trivia out there, the Beatles when they were first playing, they were they were like think of like the greasers in um in Greece. Think of like the Dan- like Danny Zuko and like all those guys wearing leather jackets and you know with the hair kind of coiffed up like that's what they're that's what they were that's what they look like and then their first manager Brian Epstein was like no you need to be clean cut do the Beatles style haircut what became the Beatles style haircuts you're gonna wear suits when you go perform and that's your image you're gonna be clean cut that and that's like I mean it's always you know image has always been the thing it's always been that but at the end of the at the end of the day I don't really think it matters too much it's not like I don't think it has to be really examined super closely whether or not Beatles songs would be popular today or not right. or have the same impact or not. Because at the end, it's not a – and I don't mean this in a bad way. It's not a thinking movie. It's a, it's a lighthearted movie. It's a you know kind of a rom-com with an interesting concept, and I don't think you really need to examine whether or not, well, would Beatles songs be popular in 2019? I don't know. Because at the end of the day, it's a, it's a fun movie, a fun concept. I don't think it matters. Right. Oh, all right. Well, I think it seems like uh, you guys would definitely highly recommend this movie. And even if I'm more tempered and probably going to get into some more criticism in the spoilers, I think it's certainly a fun uh, movie. It's a crowd pleaser, and I, w- I would definitely recommend anyone going to see it. I mean, though, like, summer movie season is about to get a little stronger than it has been to this point. It's still definitely, like, worth the trip to the theater. It's cool that a movie like this um, can exist. And uh, as, as I'm not going to drone on and on about, like, movies with $26 million budgets being really important, but the fact is it is, even if $10 million of that was just a license the Beatles songs uh but I, I do want to jump to the but like again I, I really like these performances it's like super charming I hope we see Himesh Patel do like a lot more stuff uh sooner rather than later but I want to jump into spoilers so if anyone else that hasn't seen the movie yet wants to uh, uh take out their headphones now's the time to do it but you know we already kind of hinted at it guys in the first half of the podcast where you know it does turn into a bit of a romantic comedy. I think that's maybe where uh, some of my issues lie, and I, I, I do want to talk more about just how it executes its premise, though. But, you know, what did you think about, like, uh, how it set up the romance between the two of them? Because, I, I mean, personally, I'm just thinking at the beginning, like, when people are asking him, like, oh, like, why aren't you guys together? He's like, oh, no, she's just my manager. I'm just kind of assuming because, like, she's Lily James and she's a model, and they've made this guy, like, super disheveled that, like, he's been put in the friend zone, and we just are – we're picking up after that point in their story. And it turns out to, like, not to – be to basically be the exact opposite of that. What did you guys think of the movie, like, kind of making that turn? Because the way it struck me was, like, the movie almost wants you to, like – um, at, at that point, like take Ellie's side and be like, yeah, what the hell, dude? Why don't you make your move? But at the same time, I'm like, look, you could have like made a move over the course of 15 years. And it's a very weird thing to give him your ultimatum. Like you, after you've been supporting him as his manager for like th- your entire adult lives to then be like, oh, well, now that you're successful, like I, I, I'm just like writing you off unless you like don't go off and be successful. Like I, I just didn't really love the way that that part that 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 aspect of the movie was really handled i didn't think it was set up particularly well uh change my mind if you can or just tell me why you feel differently well as a girl i've always been told you can never be subtle with a guy (laughs) and so she didn't straight up say hey she had had 15 years yeah she had 15 years to say i like you i mean well, yeah, no, I mean, but she's like, well, why do you think that I drive you around? Why do you think I go to, you know, the shows for you? Like she was, she was being subtle and I, 
I was told, it's like, no, you, you just have to tell them. You can't just throw hints. And she was throwing hints and just not telling them. And it's also, he saw himself, what I interpreted, he saw himself as like a loser. He's like, I'm going to quit this, you know. And why is he going to let someone see the best in him when he doesn't see it in himself? Right. So, I mean, I, that's, that that's cer- my take on well, it. It's certainly an accurate read on his character, but I don't, we don't really see her dropping any hints until like he's about to go off to America and she, or go off and tour with Ed Sheeran. And she, she's like, why wasn't I ever one of the girls on the wall? Like, we see, oh we my see, God, Josh, yeah, no. No, we, we see her supporting his career. But like I, I yeah, she was supporting his dead end career because she liked him. He yeah, says, but, stop the car. And she's like, OK, I'm going to slam on the brakes. Oh, my God. You're part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was she was throwing those hints. She was throwing eyes at him when he was playing a song. She was carrying his equipment. She was acting as his manager like she dropped everything in the middle of like her teaching a class to open a window for him so he could talk to her. I mean, come on. Like she, she I, was, I, I guess I was just like assuming leaving the whole time. time for him. Like right. constantly like, it's like, okay. Oh, you need a ride. Okay. Oh, you're in the hospital. I'm going to be at your bedside, not your parents. I just like, assumed that it was a very good platonic friendship. And, and I guess I was just assuming like as, as someone who has been in the friend zone a time or two myself. And I was just like, Oh, well that's probably what happened. Cause we don't really see like, we, we just don't know any better. But again, I'm also like the dullard here. And maybe I've just had too many instances in my life where I'm, I'm the one that can't pick up on subtleties. But I was just like, you know, at the same time, like she does give him like this ultimatum eventually where it's like, where it's like, we live in 2019. Like you could have a long distance relationship. You've wanted to support him in his music throughout his entire career. So regardless of whether or not like she could have been more or less subtle, I I just thought it rang kind of false. And it was a weird way to like throw a comp, a a romantic comedy type of conflict into this movie that it didn't ring. It it didn't really like seem as uh, earned to me as I would have liked. I mean, uh, Adam did, what did you think of her? Like, when they had that scene in the train station, it's like, all right, because you didn't pick up on my hints for 15 years, like now we're, now we're done. If you go actually turn into a star. Um, I think the ultimatum part was the worst part of the whole rom-com storyline. Other than that, I thought it was a very, it was very well executed. They very clearly have feelings for each other, but they just don't know how to express that because they're friends and they're, they work, they ostensibly work together since she's his manager. Uh, But yeah, the ultimatum part was, the one thing I kind of didn't like about it, but the rest of it I thought was great. Okay, very good. okay. Very good. Let me throw out a different version of this movie to you guys then, because I this kind of combines both my criticisms with the um, the criticism of the love story, but also just the premise in general. I think it should have gotten to a point where he just couldn't remember any more Beatles songs. It wouldn't have been like that far to get there because he's already like having trouble like remembering some of the lyrics. He, that's why he has to take the trip to Liverpool to uh, go to Eleanor Rigby's grave and Strawberry Fields, all that, and. I mean, obviously, they have a very big discography, even if they were only really totally active as a band for 10 years. So there's plenty of songs for him to remember that could have sustained him for his entire career. But, like, it's a lot to, like, remember songs, but, like, straight off the cuff like that. Like, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm sure you could recreate plenty of them, Adam, if, like, you had, like, the, like, if you, if you're, someone put a gun in your head. But the fact is, maybe he can only remember, like, three albums worth of songs. That wouldn't be a crazy thing to say and to remember the music to them and all that. Like, it wouldn't have been unreasonable and i would have liked to have seen him like and they they do kind of get at that a little bit where they're like well this summer song thing this kind of sucks like his original but this other stuff that was good and i thought maybe they should have gotten to a point where like 
he like hit like a creative rut and then like whether it be that he was able to and then at that point maybe like there was some other conflict as opposed to like her not supporting his career that made it so they couldn't be together and at that point when he's hit that creative rut i wanted him to then be inspired by ellie and like have that kind of be his muse to whether or not that sparked like him remembering more of the beatles lyrics or like him uh writing some songs that like sounded like very heavily influenced by the beatles but were slightly different lyrics or something like, like that wonder- but, like wonderwall sure but like even writing his own originals but just being inspired by her and like finding like creative strength in that and like having the music bring them back together or something like that because i wanted to see like more the consequences of like this premise and like what would happen if like someone got famous off of that stuff but like there's only so much of that original material or something like that like i don't know if that was would have been too predictable but i would i think i would have liked it better than like the ending that we get or the ultimate resolution that we got uh does that sound a little does that sound not as interesting to you guys because i I, that that was just kind of where my head went initially yeah i mean your idea i don't think your idea if they made that made that plot into the movie i don't think it would have been a bad movie uh, I don't know if I would have liked it quite as much. I like I did like a lot of the directions they went in, but it wouldn't have been bad. I thought that would be perfectly fine, too. Okay, well, there's two surprising things I want to ask you guys about in this movie that I really did enjoy. And they set it up pretty well with the other two people that remembered the Beatles. Uh, the, you, you see them throughout the movie, and then it's, you almost forget about them because the movie just kind of has them in the background. And then all of a sudden they come up at the end, and you think they're basically going to be the cops, for lack of a better term. And mm-hmm. but, 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 then they're, but then they're actually like... No, we just we're just happy someone else uh, brought their music back in our lives because we can't sing, which I thought was like that a cool, made me so happy, which I thought was a cool twist. I can imagine that, like, uh, let's say this happened in our world, Adam, and you were one of the two people, two other people that's not a singer that remember the Beatles. I bet you just want to give that guy a hug, right? Probably. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I just like you. I, I was like, wait, I think like, they probably are so mad because they know or they're like going to, you know, call him out for you know, cribbing the Beatles music or feeling their music. And you see them at the press conference and you kind of hear them in the background, like, why didn't you do it like this? Why didn't you, why do you do this? Why did yeah. you do this? And you think, oh man, they're going to get like, they're mad at him because they know he's plagiarizing. They're just curious but, fans. Yeah. They're, they're just happy that like they get to listen to the music again because they love the music, which was really, yeah, it was really nice. It was, yeah. Like, like Kayla said, it's, you know, it was really, it, it was a, a nice twist and this was really just nice. Yeah. And, and I like, they were like, oh, like who influenced you? Was it um, Paul, George, John, or Ringo? And I'm just like, oh my god, they're gonna call him out. And then it comes to where they're like, no, we're just so happy this music is in the world. Like it's wonderful music. It needs to be out there. Yeah, no, I thought it was like a really cool moment. Like I've seen some criticism that like uh, that was like didn't like how that resolved, but like it just kind of caught me off guard and because I was so ready for something else. And by the same token, and I, and I don't really exactly know it's not important, but for some reason these people um, have John Lennon's address, uh, and they, 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 but they hand him a slip of paper and they're like here, and they're like all right. So uh, he's like driving all the way out to this like abandoned little house in nowhere and like. I don't know. That t- like, totally caught me off guard that the movie like went in that direction. What what, what did you guys think when seventy uh, eight year old John Lennon opens the door? Well, call me a huge sap, but I got really emotional. Like what the second they opened the door because he, he's driving out. You say he's driving out to the country, out to the out to the shore, and you don't know where he's going. You don't know what he's going to do. Um, but you know they open the door and here's this guy who's very clearly supposed to be an elderly John Lennon, and I just got hit with like a wave of emotions. Uh, and I loved every second of that scene, which might be just like the, the Beatles fan in me talking about. I thought it was a very it was a great scene. It just, you know, won the power of seeing 
John Lennon, you can't see what I'm doing air quotes, at but se- John, at 78, at 78, the fact that he's alive at 78 and he's, you know, lived a, a happy life. And, you know, to throw some more random Beatles trivia out there, you know, there's a story about, or maybe, maybe urban legend, it might be real. I don't know about, you know, John Lennon in school where, you know, he had an assignment where, um, the teacher asked like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, happy. And he just said, you don't understand the assignment. And John's like, well, then you don't understand life, <laughs> which it, might, it sounds like an urban legend. I don't know if it's true or not, but who cares? The, the, it's a nice story. Well, it's also uh, like kind of giving one of the themes slash mission statements of the movie where it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, and it's a choice in, in a way that the movie ultimately makes Jack make where it's like he's he feels like he's kind of choosing happiness over success. And he's gotten to a point where maybe his guilt is too much that he feels like. He can't have both, but like happiness is success, which I think is is a pretty profound statement to make. But like, uh, oh, Kayla, I want to ask you too. Like, uh, did you similarly get kind of emotional in that moment? Because like, I I don't want to say if I got emotional because it's hard for me to like compare anything. Like, I just told as I was talking to Adam about last week, like I cried when I watched Toy Story three for the second time ever, and I've like never more so than I've ever like cried at a movie. So I didn't get that kind of emotion, and I don't have the same relationship with the Beatles as you guys. But like, I still somehow like got fairly close to like really being moved more so than I normally am at movies at that scene. So, uh, Kayla, what was your reaction to that? Um, mine was like a gasp moment. I was like, (gasps) and I just like covered my mouth and just did, you know, like the hands on the face intently watching the entire scene because it was, like I was nudging Adam. I was like, is it going to be Paul or is it going to be Ringo? Because both of them are still alive. And it was John Lennon. I was like, oh, because if the Beatles hadn't had happened, he wouldn't have been killed. And so, yeah, it makes sense that he was alive. And for me, I was just like, oh, my God, like, that's old John Lennon. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't well, quite moved to tears. Right, right, I right. was getting a little misty-eyed next, <laughs> but mine was just like a, oh, shit, that's John Lennon. And I know it's not, but. Well, yeah, and, and, and not to keep raising, like, straw man arguments for us to knock them down, but, again, I have seen some people that, like, without who are like in written reviews where they're not wanting to spoil the movie, but they heavily hint at this moment. And they say that it was like in, in either in poor taste or just wasn't very good or whatever like that. And I, that, I don't, that thought never really crossed my mind, but I that, that the idea that it was in poor taste. Cause I did think at the time, like, yeah, I mean the Beatles obviously had to like, okay, this, they wouldn't have like wanted him depicted like that. If, if they didn't want him depicted like that, like it wouldn't have happened, you know? Well, like, I'm sure they had to buy the rights to his likeness. Right, so maybe Yoko. I don't know, know how, to say how okay. that. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's what it was that whoever John Lennon's trust is in, yeah, or whatever, they had to make the call. Right. But uh, Adam was giving me a fun bit of trivia on the way home that that whole scene is reminiscent of the story that a Vietnam vet visited John Lennon, and instead of like calling the cops, that he's like he let him talk it through, and all that. And Adam's like. He was reading up on it, and he was like, oh, I remember that story. It was in this Beatles documentary, which we have, like, three different Beatles documentaries <laughs> in the DVD drawer. So I'll take his word for it. And yeah. so it was really nice how, you know, they had that moment, and they drew that parallel and that, you know, I want to be happy story and how they brought that all in. And for me, it was just – it was a gasp moment, just like, oh, my God. Yeah, just like Kayla said. Yeah, exactly. Just like Kayla said, you know, when, you know, he opens the door and there he is. I had that that moment where I know it's a movie, but it's like, yeah, that's John. That's John Lennon, you know, Mm -hmm. and then 
you know it's not, but still. And then I also, just something that I thought of, I remembered now just from Kayla mentioning, you know, that if the Beatles hadn't existed, that John Lennon wouldn't have been kit, wouldn't have been murdered. Um, I got some serious Mark David Chapman vibes when they're play, when he's playing in Russia, and that guy is just standing there. Oh. <laughs> um, the guy, the guy who ends up being one of like the two people who right, can remember right. the Beatles is at uh, Jack's like first major gig. Yeah, and he's just standing there staring at him, and he goes home and googles him, and I'm like, oh no, are they going? For, like, is he like, you know, this alternate universe is Mark David Chapman? That's not going to be good. But he ends up just being a he ends up just being a Beatles fan. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't necessarily think it was uh, quite that dark, but uh, I, I, I can see where you would have gotten that vibe based on how they shot that first scene he appeared in. Um, I, I, I want to ask you guys about the about the end. Uh, you know, I, again, I, I think my biggest uh, qualm with this movie is that I wanted them to see this premise through a little bit more because the, at, at that point where you see that oh John Lennon's here. This is clearly a world where, like, uh, these guys, uh, these pe- these these Beatles now existed as people, but never actually came together, never wrote these songs, and who knows? Like, George Harrison died of natural causes, so uh, like maybe he's not there, but maybe the other three are, are still alive and kicking, but just they have their names, but that's it. At the time where he has this final scene where he's playing at Wembley and he uh, decides to come clean about not being the one that wrote these songs, and. I'm like, you know, the fact is, like, he's already asked a bunch of other people about these guys, and, like, no one else really knows who they are. So I feel like once you've already set them up in a world where these are real people, these are songs that have now been attributed to him, like, I don't know if you can just, like, I I didn't want them to just, like, end it as quickly as they did, where he just, like, says that, and talk about the other part of the scene in a minute with Ellie, but, I mean, and then just goes off and, like, lives a life. It's like, he's still, like some level of famous and i almost wanted to just like see what the resolution of that story was as opposed to just uh reducing it to a montage of them in a happy family and yeah i'm happy that they ended up together but at the same time i also didn't love the part of the scene where he puts her on a big screen like it felt kind of like messed up and manipulative at the same time i don't know i would Uh, agree with that like i i I, i'm here for rom-coms i i as i was telling you guys before we got in the air like i was like i I have a I have a mixed bag relationship with Love Actually. Like, if you really break that movie down, it has some good stuff and some not so good stuff. But I, I went back and watched uh, Notting Hill and Four Weddings and a Funeral, and like Richard Curtis can like he can write a romantic comedy. And I'm like, you know, I think he could have found a better way to end this than like having uh, Jack be like a homewrecker that also like kind of manipulates the woman that he wants to be with by putting her on a screen in front of like a hundred thousand people without her consent. Uh, I, I don't know what what did you guys think in the moment watching this? I enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, if you think about it, yeah, it's manipulative. I don't know if I'd go as far as say he's a homewrecker. I don't think they were married. They were just seeing each okay, other. That, 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 they, that, that is very strong. But he's like, you know, I'm just going to swoop in. <laughs> yeah, but but and but uh, but yeah. I mean, yeah. When you think about it, it is kind of manipulative. But it, you know, it's a grand gesture, and yeah, it goes it with worked. the whole so rom com, like, oh, do a grand gesture, and then I don't know. I thought that was really nice how they incorporated all you need is love with that scene and like that's how he like led up to it like I thought that was really nice and if you and if you really think about the songs he was singing in his set before he did all that they were all love songs Mm -hmm. they were I want to hold your hand here comes the sun all you need is love like leading up to that and I totally Adam like made this face i totally see here comes the sun as like a love song so just (laughs) like whatever stop judging i see your face over there um no but like leading up to it so yeah it is totally 
manipulative, but it's very much in the spirit of a rom-com that it's this big, huge, grand romantic gesture. And so everything's, you know, happy in the end because he did this huge, big thing. I mean, think of it, Love Actually, you have that scene with uh, Michael Fass. Michael Fassbender. Michael with Fassbender the... is not in Love Actually. No, no, no. Who am I thinking of? Colin oh, God, Firth. I... No, I can see his face. Josh Lucas. Andrew. Is that Lin- it? Andrew Lincoln. There we go. Andrew Lincoln. I can like visualize his face, <laughs> but I'm like struggling with the name. With the cards, you know the, you know the big gesture. I mean, it's not putting a face on a screen, but yeah. Uh... God, I, we can, I, I, I actually got really close to doing a whole Love Actually podcast at the end of last year because it always plays around Christmas, and I, I wanted to break down everywhere it is cool and everywhere it is problematic, and I might still do that. So, I'm not, and even if I, if we started talking about it, I would go on about for like an hour. So, I do not <laughs> want to comment too much on all of that. But I mean, I will, regardless, I, I will just say that, like, I think I just, I, I think it just the movie like just kind of halts as opposed to fully like reconciling with like the consequences of what Jack has done. You know, like these are, let's just fully accept the premise that the Beatles would be uh, massive stars if they all of a sudden just started today and released the same music. These are like generation changing, defining, uh, just breakout hit songs that he's like putting out all in a whole, like just all in a row. And I just wanted to see like where his life would actually go and just like him quitting, okay, I guess if you want to set up that like he was a little guilty and just didn't feel like living that lie and felt like he needed to do it to be with Ellie. But I, the fact that I didn't really buy that Ellie was going to give him that ultimatum in the first place, I guess just like I, the whole thing I just didn't want – I thought could have been set up better. You know, I, I didn't even need it to be a romantic comedy, but if you're going to do it as a romantic comedy, I think I, it had already kind of lost me that by that point on that thread. Even if I was like I want to keep uh, putting the disclaimer out there – I found this to be a thoroughly enjoyable movie. I just – that's not the resolution I really wanted to. I wanted to see, like, where it was going to go – just where where it was going to go if you someone – like, as far as just the consequences of what it meant for the music industry. And maybe that's just not the movie that most people want to see. They might want to see a more traditional romantic comedy. But that's just personally where my head was at and because it's just such a great idea for a movie, you know. And I just I, – I just don't think it fully fleshed out all the all the possible avenues that that goes down, you know, when you have a story of this nature. Sure. Also, I just want to say Jack is definitely the subject of like a Rolling Stone article in five years. Like he was poised to be one of music's where, where most. Is he now? Uh, yeah, yeah. Where is he now? He's poised to be one of music's most transformational stars, and now he's teaching grade school music, which I would read that article. I agree, and I mean, I even if I'm not the biggest music fan, I do always enjoy whenever you get a, get get a chance to see like where are these one hit wonders now, or people that were big at one point and now they're just kind of living on their own. It, you know, it's it, it's it's certainly an interesting premise, and there's a way in which this could have been like a a ten episode miniseries, with the last episode being like, what's the, what's his quaint life now? Um, <laughs> uh, do you guys have any other thoughts on the movie, uh, uh, Kayla? Any final thoughts before we sign off? I mean, I just I really really enjoyed it, and I did enjoy the little moment where, um, probably one of my favorite moments of the entire movie was he's like, man, I. Feel like Harry Potter, what Harry Potter did when he defeated Voldemort, and she's like, "Who's Harry Potter?" And I just I saw that coming just, from before she said it. I, I knew that was. A I I loved that moment. That oh yeah no when he said it, I was just like, oh that's that's really cool. And then she was like, "Who's that?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, no Harry Potter's out of this world too." But I mean, they had a lot of fun little moments. They had 
We counted a couple different Beatles puns, but they didn't do it way over, like, the way across the universe did. Um, but a couple subtle ones. Uh, but it was it was great. It was nice to... It was nice to have, like, a movie with music that I enjoy, which, as you know, I'm a huge music person. If you remember Mom and Me, I was a huge dork about the background music. Um, but... I mean, it was, it was an original idea. It really was. And, you know, in this time of recreations and sequels, it's nice to see an original idea because how many sequels are there out in the box office right now? Enough. I mean, exactly. So it was nice to see an original film. Yeah, no, I, I got you. Um, Adam, uh, any other final closing thoughts from you? Yeah. One, Really enjoyed the movie. Uh, I just think it's a really great, fun, lighthearted kind of movie. Um, the one that you don't need to think about too much. It's not going to win any awards, but it just really was a fun movie. And I really enjoyed it. Also, two more Beatles notes that I didn't get a chance to mention. Yes. Uh, one, I really the performance I mentioned earlier that I really liked as a, for, like for its placement in the movie was when he's debuting his album on the rooftop of this hotel uh, where he wasn't he couldn't play when he was a nobody. Oh, that was, one, cool. that was very cool visually. Yeah. It was very cool visually. It was very cool. It was reminiscent of the Beatles' final concert uh, on the rooftop of their music studio in 1969. Very famous concert. Really, cool. I really liked that. I also liked that he played the song Help because at that point in the movie, he's kind of spiraling into in his guilt, in his guilt over stealing the Beatles' music, in his guilt over not pursuing things with Ellie and letting her get away. And he's performing Help, which is a very, you know, it's a very poppy, a very pop rock song. It's, it seems very light, but it's a very depressing message the song is very depressing like john lennon wrote it and he's like i wish i had written this more slowly because the message of the song gets lost the song is literally like i need help like i'm in a very bad place right now like the word if you look at the words of the song you would not think this is a happy upbeat song it's you know i need somebody um you know my life has changed so much and my independence is I'm gone feeling and i feel down. insecure yeah the song is very depressing so like the fact that he's you know kind of spiraling and he's half singing half screaming this song <laughs> i thought was very very good i thought they did that very well and the second and the final note which is much shorter than that and much less analytical is that a small small change they made um when he when he goes to liverpool to go get inspired he goes to the airport it just says liverpool airport and in re in our reality the airport is liverpool john lennon airport oh, and they're okay. modern yeah, I, 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 didn't, yeah. I figured that was i didn't know who it was named after but i figured it was named after someone when they kind of lingered on the airport sign yeah, it's Liverpool John, John Lennon Airport, and the motto of the airport is, very fittingly, above us, only sky. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I um, again, I, I still do recommend people go see this movie, even if I definitely had more criticisms than Adam and Kayla. I think it, I, th I, I thought it had a misopportunity. It had a movie with this premise uh, has the potential to, like, easily be in, like, my top ten movies of any given year, and I just thought there was, like, uh, more they could have done to like seen it through and have any interest in like the consequences of what if something like this didn't exist, but also like uh, what what all could happen to a guy that did take the actions that Jack did. But at the same time, I like I, I never it was never any any point like I I I, I don't want to be here, you know. Like it's like a really charming performance, and it's kind of incredible to like pluck a guy out of obscurity like they did with this actor and like have him be able to pull off these performances like he did. And I have like a lot of respect for the movie. Uh, from that standpoint and 
it's just really funny too at the same time so um just uh yeah you know again i still recommend it uh to anyone that's just looking for a fun time at the movies during the summer so uh, before we get out of here adam anything you want to plug uh social media or anything of that nature sure if you want to follow me on twitter my twitter handle is at ab lichtenstein where you can find lots of information about south florida high school sports other various sports and music and other things whatever i'm doing at the time Gotcha. Kayla, if I remember correctly, you're normally a blank slate when I give you the opportunity to do this, or do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, just have a happy fourth, and everyone be safe, and go see a movie. It's going to be like a heat index of 110 down here, so movie yeah. theaters are air-conditioned, so go to your Go to your local theater. Yeah, seriously, go support your theater. Within a few days of listening to this, you'll have the chance to go see Spider-Man Homecoming or Midsummer, which we'll have podcasts coming about uh, coming out on soon as well. As usual, I'm Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y on Twitter and Letterboxd. The podcast has its own Twitter account, Rewind Movie Pod. So everyone, uh, check all that out. Stay tuned for more. Thanks for listening.